Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. This is the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast, episode number fourteen. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Casey, one of my favorite things that comes out of this podcast is whenever we talk about something on the show and then somebody sends us a tweet or an email and it sh- and they show us what they're doing with it. I mean, how great is that? I know. I am totally blown away at how easily people are taking the ideas and the, the tips and tricks and all of the, the fabulous interview content that we've shared and using it the next day in their classroom and we just received the coolest tweet with some really fun stop motion videos. Yes. Yeah. So this came to us from Sean Else, who teaches third and fourth grade in Ontario in Canada. And his students were creating these little stop motion videos with Google Slides, kind of like something that we mentioned in a, in a previous episode. And so these guys are using Screencastify to record their screen and they're flipping through these slides that they've created and they're adding little sound effects and voiceovers. And it's really pretty, pretty impressive. They are super cute. Yes. Yeah. I think I think that is definitely the word. They they really are cute. They I, are. As, as a guy, I am not afraid to call something cute <laughs> when it's the truth. So Yes, yes. So but we love seeing this and that's actually one of the reasons why we wanted to bring it up. So keep sharing what you're doing and the things that you learn or when you run into problems and questions. That's what the tribe is all about. We want to connect with you, we want to learn with you, and we want to help each other. So, you know, don't be afraid to use the hashtag on Twitter or tag us or leave us a voicemail on the GoogleTeacherTribe.com slash feedback. So we, we love hearing what's working, what's not working. That's what that's what we're here for. We want to make sure that we're helping teachers learn how to do um, some awesome things to transform the classroom. Yes, absolutely. And so to give them some more content, some more ideas to transform that classroom, Casey, what do we got for today? So, Matt, we have some super exciting things to share in in episode 14 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Yes. So we both have have shared a lot of the hidden tools of Google, the hidden treasures from Google. So we're going to share some of our favorites in today's episode to help expand your digital toolbox. And we've got some really exciting news and updates, especially 
especially the new Google Earth. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We've got some feedback from our listeners. And of course, we've got some interesting ideas and tips from our blogs to share. All right, let's get right to it. I'm not sure if you tribers have heard about this, but this is really, really big news when it comes to Google. We have a brand new Google Earth. And so I remember back in the days when you used to have to download the Google Earth program onto your computer, and it was a little bit clunky. But now this is awesome. It is all streamlined. It looks so much better. It's all available on the web. And I think in one word, if I had to sum the whole thing up, the word that I would use is gorgeous. What do you think, Casey? Matt and I spent a good 15 or 20 minutes before we were supposed to record just playing with Google Earth and we couldn't stop, right? Like we were both just like, what? Oh my gosh, this is incredible. It, it, I kind of wish we had been recording that because I think our reactions were just were, were so funny. But yes, it's amazing. So I I can't believe the, the clarity and ease and how fast it loads. It's just, it, and it's got some really fun new features that I think we can bring into our classrooms and do some some even more interesting things. You know, I was wowed when Google Earth came out. I don't know how many years ago it was, several years ago. And I was totally blown away. Like, can't believe that we can do this. And now, yeah, they've done it again. They have totally revamped the entire process. And it's web-based, right? Yeah. We, yes. we don't need extra, you know, we've struggled with some of our devices with plugins and things like that to make some things work and creating the Google Earth tours and things like that. But um, to have this web-based is just awesome sauce. Yes, absolutely. So some of the things that I love about it is that whenever you zoom into the Earth using the satellite, you know, you have this 3D option. And if you click on 3D, and if you're using a computer, you can hold in shift and drag it around. And then you can see the world kind of like, it's almost like just a little bit above ground. And my favorite place to do that is when you're in a city, because you can see like the big buildings and the skyscrapers. And you can see them sticking up over the horizon, which is amazing. And then the second thing I really love about it is this option called Voyager. And so Voyager has all of these. It's kind of like curating important places and views and images and all of that for all these different all these different locations around the world. So as I'm flipping through it right now, it's got a collection for Machu Picchu in Peru, and it's got New York City. It says the five, the big five beasts of Africa, Hemingway's Hangouts. I mean, it's got all of these really neat uh, curations. So if any of those tie into your content, I think that's an instant win. Yes. I, and obviously, you can still search. You can do all kinds of fun things. I am really looking forward to see seeing what teachers come up with, with the new features and things that we can do in the classroom. Uh, I just clicked on something about the Muppets around the world. So <laughs> I'm already distracted. So I think this is just going to offer us some, some really new and exciting ways. And when we now connect this with all of the other apps, I think we're si- starting to see that overlap between Earth, Street 
view expeditions and all of those types of things. So uh, I think we had a couple of other updates to share besides Google Earth, although we could keep talking about this one and we're just now learning about it. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you want to keep looking at Muppets and have me do these next two, I will. But <laughs> if you want to kind of stick to the script and share these next two, then maybe I'll go look at the Muppets. Okay. Okay. Maybe we need to stick to the script. We do try to keep these short. So uh, the the next thing on the list is called the Google Search Fact Check, which in the the world that we live in now, with the the fake news that we're always talking about, this is a really <laughs> this is a really nice little feature that is built into Google Search. Now, you're not going to find this with everything that you search, but if you go to our show notes at googleteachertribe.com/slash/fourteen you will find a link to the article that will show you some examples. So for instance, if you search 27 million people enslaved at the top, you will see uh, one of the search results and it will tell you fact checked by PolitiFact. So it will tell you if it's verified and who has verified it. So, so there's, there's some processes to getting this set up. So I think we will see this improve uh, along the timeline here as we have more content and as more people are building into this feature here because there's some some directions for publishers and things like that. So, But I think this is great, and we need to remind our students all the time that just because it's on the Internet does not mean that it's true, right? Right, exactly. This is, this is just another one of those tools. Of course, common sense and having some of those lessons and those conversations about verifying your facts are important, but it is nice to have more tools in the tool belt. And we have another update about Google Sites, right? This is just a little one. This is, this is pretty cool. Um, in this, this article that we found, the, the writer was telling us how a lot of their, um, enterprise, like their business users wanted in their Google sites to be able to put a logo and then pull the colors from that logo to, kind of complement the rest of the site. Well, now you can do just that. So if you've got a school district logo or if your project has a logo, you can stick that right onto your site and then it's going to let you pull. It detects the colors that are in the logo so that you can start incorporating them without even having to work on it. So it's a little thing, but for some people, this is going to be a big thing. I like it because I will be doing that when I create yeah. Google Sites. So that is in the new Google Sites. So like we talked about in a previous episode, we're slowly getting more updates. So I, I think people are going to be jumping on board more and more with what the new Google Sites has to offer. Yes, me too. And of course, if you want to check any of these out, there are links on our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 14. Okay, Tribe, let's dig into these hidden treasures from Google. They are truly golden. These are gems that people find all the time and are just wowed by these. I I can't tell you how much I enjoy sharing the lesser known tools because everybody kind of knows about Google Drive and then the main like G Suite, I think core applications now. But to really dig into all of the other things that are free and readily accessible for our students, I think is just uh, something really fun. So I'm excited to share this. Some might say I'm super excited. What about you, Matt? (laughs) I would also say that you're super excited. (laughs) You'd say that I'm super excited. (laughs) Yes, as am I, of course. But no, I I totally agree with you because, you know, I, I do presentations on stuff like this every once in a while and it just 
fills my heart to hear people gasp whenever you show something like this and they're like, what? You can do what? And that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that we're going to dig into. So Casey and I have picked out four of our favorites each and we're going to try to plow through all of those. So Casey, you want to you want to jump into the first one? Yeah. So the first one I want to share is the Google Cultural Institute. And so when you go to the Google Cultural Institute, you'll see Google Arts and Culture. And this actually encompasses a lot of different Google initiatives like the Google Art Project. And if you haven't noticed, and I've said this before, but Google's pretty much archiving the world. First of all, this is searchable. So you can go through and find things that align with the things that you're teaching in your classroom. You can also see just sort of the suggested daily digest, the stories of the day. So there are historical figures. So for instance, right now on this day um, was in 1882 was when Charles Darwin died. So um, so there's information you can find about him. Uh, all kinds of really inter- interesting types of things, projects. So there's Made in Japan project. And then, yes, there are virtual tours. So you can take these tours on a computer in 360 or... Yes, take a look at these in your uh, your Google Cardboard or your VR viewers and go virtual with these. So you can go visit the Louvre or the Dorsey and you can take your kids on a journey outside of the classroom without actually having to, you know, collect permission slips or do any fundraising or anything like that. They can travel the world. So the Google Cultural Institute is really, really a a great resource. One of my favorite parts, though, and I have linked this in the show notes, is to search for the Zoom views. And so when you open up that link to the Zoom views, it will show you all of the artifacts that are in super high resolution. And this is going to sort of blow your mind just like Google Earth. So I just brought up this um, this piece of artwork in front of me on my computer, and I'm going to zoom in. And you can go all the way down to the cracks in the paint. It's just like I show this when I do the presentations, and it's one of those moments where all of the participants are like, whoa. Because guess what? If we were at the museum, they wouldn't let us stand close enough to this piece of artwork to see it in this kind of clarity. So it's almost... At a, you know, at a better resolution than we could see with the naked eye. So I'm just, it, it just blows me away what you can do. And you can create your own collections and share those with your students as well. Yeah, I'd like to call this the super duper ultra mega high resolution. I think that should be the technical term for it. I think so. I think that sounds like some new fancy acronym that you just invented. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, I, no, I, I absolutely love uh, Google Cultural Institute too. It's really kind of like plug and play content. If you can find a collection or just different pieces of material you could use in your lesson, then it's a, it's a no brainer. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I'm glad you brought it up. So to move on to our second one here, this is my first one, and it's called Ingram Viewer. This is a little bit of an obscure one, but hey, that's what this whole episode is all about. And so here's what Ingram Viewer is. Basically, Google has archived, kind of like what Casey was saying, it's like they're archiving the world. They've archived like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of books. And all of the words in those books are in the in this huge archive. And so they're all all of these words are saved into a data set. And what you can do with Ingram Viewer is you can put in a word or a phrase and you can search those books to find out how often that word or phrase shows up in those books over time. 
And so if you go to books.google.com slash ingrams, then it's going to pop up Ingram Viewer. And the example that it always shows is it's it's got a search for Albert Einstein, Sherlock Holmes, and Frankenstein. And so if you look at Sherlock Holmes, for example, you'll notice that the name Sherlock Holmes did not show up in any books at all until about 1890. And then it starts to take off, which, of course, has is correlated with when the book was written. And so you get to see kind of the rise and the fall of the popularity of Sherlock Holmes. And what's neat about this is that it takes actual concrete hard data and it lets you look at that data and learn something about history. Or you can learn about the history and then look at the data and see, well, why did it fluctuate the way that it did when it did? So I think it's a really neat way to take history and just stories and then pair them together with concrete hard data. And this is this is a neat tool that you could use in, in research projects, I think, also. Absolutely. I love the Ingram viewer. I think it's very telling about time periods, whether it's, you know, fiction or nonfiction, because that's pulling data from, uh, you know, half a million books over the last, what is it, 500 years or something crazy. So being able to, to see what words were used or how things were described. Yes, I totally agree. And it's a great connection to research. Yep, absolutely. Okay, An- Casey, number three. Another, it's number two, right? Oh, yours is number two. <laughs> this is number three overall. Wow, I can learn uh, how to. The, oh, okay, sorry. No, I misunderstood where you're going nope. with that. My number two was Google Trends. And so this is another great research tool. But, you know, uh, Google has their hands on some tremendous data. They know a lot about you. I always say you must both fear and respect Google. <laughs> and Google Trends will show you what people have been searching for what is trending in the world of Google search. And it's very telling about our culture and, and some other things. And usually you'll see like sort of the top trends listed. I don't know why, but Justin Bieber seems to always make a recurring appearance in that list. But the Google trends is interesting, but actually my favorite part, which I've also linked separately is part of that, but it's called hot trends. And so when you go to hot trends, it will actually show you sort of live what people are searching for at that very moment. And it's in this like page full of colored cards. Of course, they're in the Google like primary colors where you can see people typing in words. And it gets even better because at the bottom of that page, you can actually change the country and see what's trending in other countries. And I think that's very powerful depending on what you may be studying and to see what's going on across the world. And sometimes what's trending in other countries is the same thing that's trending here, but it could open up some really good conversations, I think, with our students. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I've heard people say that sometimes Sometimes whenever you teach, you've got to teach with a book of your content in one hand and the newspaper in the other hand. And so, you know, being able to bring in some of these things that are actually going on in the world right now helps keep our, I think, our our lessons relevant to what today's needs are, but it also keeps it fresh and, and new and interesting. So I love that as a as a as a tool that you brought up. Yes. And I believe your next tool is actually one of my favorite little tricks. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So the next one is the reverse image search. So if you've ever been to Google Images, I bet you have, you go to images.google.com and it looks like a regular old Google search, but there is an extra little icon over on the right side of it. And that little icon is a camera. If you click on that camera, you can actually upload a picture. 
and Google will search the web to find out where that picture is in other locations. And so there are lots of lots of ways to use this. I I came across a way a sort of an interesting way recently because as a blogger that's been doing this for a little while, I st- I've started to get requests for guest blog posts and a lot of times they're kind of spammy. And so I got one of these and I thought it looked sort of fake. So I clicked on the link to their Twitter profile and saw the profile picture and thought that looked fake. So I downloaded their Twitter profile picture and I ran it through the reverse image search. And guess what it found? What? Stock photo. This was not a real person. This was a stock photo that they bought. So I sent them a glowing little email saying, please don't send us education bloggers, blah, 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 XOXO hearts and love, Matt. Okay, not really the hearts and love part, but that was the way that I could track down and figure out that it wasn't really a person. So lots and lots of different ways that you can use this, and it is a pretty cool sneaky trick. It is. I love the idea of using an image to start a unit of inquiry as well. So maybe not even the full image, but maybe like part of an image and teaching students this trick so that they sort of dive in on their own and discover what it is and and sort of, you know, figure out where the unit is going to take them and develop their questions along the way. I am not opposed to using a reverse image search for shopping. Just throwing that out there, ladies. When you find that pair of shoes on Pinterest that goes nowhere, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yes, you can use a reverse image search to find out if somebody is selling it. Nice. I never would have <laughs> thought of that. All right. Very good. So what's next, Casey? All right. So this is the perfect time of year to share this next tool. This is called Google Takeout. And this is the time of year when I get the question, hey, how do I get my stuff out of my Google account? Because I'm I'm changing districts. I'm, you know, whether you're moving teaching jobs or you're a student who's actually changing schools and and things like that. People ask this all the time. How do I get my stuff from one Google account to the other? Well, Google doesn't allow you to transfer. And if you really think about it, it makes sense because um, different, you know, personal accounts are owned by personal people. G Suite for education accounts are owned by the domain. So you can't actually take things and just say, yeah, you have permission. So it's a little more complicated than that. But you can use this nice little tool and download a zip file of your Google account. And it's not perfect, but it is a great way to grab your data and then you could then upload it into your other account. So um, lots of other things. There are lots of other ways to share that, but the Google takeout tool is very handy. Yeah, I I had this happen myself a couple of years ago. I left a school district and I wasn't sure how this whole Google takeout thing was going to work. And I just did it and zipped all of my files and pulled them right into my Gmail account. So it was it was glorious. So, yep, Google takeout. And that is very timely. So my next one, this is one that's been around for a little while that I feel like people don't really know about. It's called YouTube Editor. And we all know about searching for videos out on YouTube, but we may not realize what we can do to our own videos and even to other people's videos that we're licensed to use. So if you go to youtube.com slash editor, it's just this simple video editing interface where you can pull in video clips, you can cut them and splice them, you can add music over them, you can even pull in other video clips that are labeled Creative Commons out there on YouTube. You put it all together. You can even add titles and text onto your videos. And then when you're done, you just save them as a brand new YouTube video. So 
if you're looking for a simple thing that is easy to access to manipulate your videos some, then YouTube Editor may be what you're looking for. Yeah, it is a very easy tool and it's available on mobile as well. So a um, nice little app just to edit right there. Yeah, I they've made editing so much easier. It's, it's so quick and easy. So my last tool is, um, somewhat of a sarcastic tool. I will warn you, uh, as an instructional technologist, digital learning consultant, whatever title happens to be (laughs) today, I always get asked lots of technical questions, lots of googly questions. And guess what I do when I don't know the answer, Matt, you Google it. Yes, absolutely. Right. If I don't know what it is, I'm going to look it up. So a lot of times I can't help but be frustrated when people ask me questions and I go to Google it and the answer is the top result. I mean, come on, people, you can Google things for yourselves. So um, there is a a cute little tool called Let Me Google That For You, L-M-G-T-F-Y. And when you go there, it looks like a Google search. You type it in. But what it magically does is take a screencast of how to type the words into a Google search. And you can then send that link to the person who didn't Google it for themselves. Now, I will fully admit I have never actually sent this to someone, although I have been very, very tempted. And um, you know what? We all can take the time to look up our own answers when they're that simple. If you don't find it, yeah, then move on. But I did have a teacher one time tell me a great use for this tool with students. And she has her students use this to prove how they found their answers when they were doing research. So I thought that was great because it's a really easy to use screencast of your search. You don't have to install anything. That's what it's doing. So it's like, oh, okay, that's brilliant. And it's not necessarily the sarcastic. But by the way, if you go to the site, you can uh, send them a couple bucks to support them and they'll send you some let me Google that for you stickers. <gasps> stickers. I may stickers. Have to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's your what's your last tool, Matt? All right. My last one is called Time Lapse in Google Earth Engine. And this is one that I just stumbled on recently. Well, Google has been collecting all these satellite images of the world for a long time. And basically what this will do is it will show you all of those satellite images in order. And it'll just kind of click through them almost like stop motion. And so you can go to a specific city or a specific country and you can hit play in the time lapse and it will show you how the earth or how that city has changed in the last 15 or 20 or whatever years. It's a really neat, really unique tool to to check out all of the change in the world. That's a really neat use of Google Earth. I think that's that's very, very useful to see that in a time lapse. So we are quickly running out of time, but I just want to mention again the show notes. And we have some additional resources in there as well besides the, the ones that we've mentioned. So go to googleteachertribe.com slash 14. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. And Matt, I think we also have a question from one of our listeners. Am I right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we had this question come in from James Dittis from Gallatin, Tennessee, and he's a German teacher. And here's what James says. My German language tests are on Google Slides, set up so students interact with pictures, maps, and prompts, but then they write their answers on a sheet of paper. And in order to discourage cheating, he walks around the room to ensure that no additional tabs are open. Is there a way to set up a slide presentation so students only see the pre- presentation and the questions and cannot open new tabs if they're tempted to look up the answers? He's tried the kiosk extension, but he has to log into every single computer. So he was wondering if we had any suggestions. And so what did we do? We put this question out to the tribe on Twitter on the GT Tribe hashtag, and we got lots of different answers. Let's dig into some of the stuff that they said. One of the first answers we heard back was from Lexi Law. And so Lexi says, sounds like you need Go Guardian so you can set how many tabs they can have open to one or just set the scene where they can only be on the slides. I think that would definitely work. Of course, GoGuardian is a is a paid tool, um, as is Hapara. We also heard from Eleni Karitsis, who said, you can also limit tabs and websites for testing using Hapara-focused browsing. So there are a couple of little things that you can do. And then we also heard from Nathan McEntee, uh, who's Mr. Mac Teach on Twitter. And he had a, a good suggestion, too. There is a keyboard shortcut. You can use Control-Shift-T, or on a Mac, it would be Command-Shift-T, to reopen recently closed tabs. So if you're watching these students and you think somebody's doing something a little bit fishy, you could always go over to their computer and use Control-Shift-T or Command-Shift-T and try to open up some of those tabs that they might have had open when who knows what they were doing. Right. Well, and, and this question sort of took us in a new direction as well. We sort of went a little bit deeper, which I think is, is a good conversation to have because I don't know I don't know necessarily what the content was of this so I don't know judgment on that but my question uh, was was back to this one you know and Shaylin actually chimed in sort of with the same thing but can we ask questions that are non googleable you know is there a way to rephrase this so that um, it's not just a simple look it up and it's the first answer kind of thing and, and the other thing is really just what are we teaching our students because we had uh, Ralph come in and he said if students look it up isn't that learning assessing learning or recall so I definitely hear a lot of talk about the non googleable questions but at the same time learning how to google Google is also a skill that they need. So yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like the world is changing. Google search isn't going anywhere. It's pretty much staying in our pockets, if not, you know, coming on to even more advanced technology. So that's always going to be at our fingertips. So we've, this is one of the tough questions I think that we have going forward in education is what do we do about that? Right, absolutely. Because never in my job am I given a Scantron with a number two pencil and Mm. told that I can't use a device. So, you know, I just, I just have to keep that in mind. So yeah, yeah, totally <laughs> great agree. question. It has sparked a great debate and we would love for you to chime in on, on Twitter as well. Uh, hashtag GT tribe. So as we get into our on the blog section today, I wanted to tell you a little bit about a post I did recently that has to do with Kahoot. Now, I know t- Kahoot technically isn't a Google tool, but so often we use Kahoot in conjunction with other Google tools. So here's basically the gist of it. If you've never used Kahoot before, and my guess is not very many of you fall under this category, anytime I talk about Kahoot, almost everybody knows what it is. But 
Kahoot is a really cool tool that you can use to ask students questions. They can ring in on their device and there's music and there's a leaderboard and it basically turns this uh, review session into a game show. Now, most of the time I've found teachers use Kahoot to review, but I just started digging into some of Kahoot's resources that they have created and have been talking to some teachers. You can actually go much, much deeper with Kahoot than just doing review. You can actually teach new content with it. And it's this idea called the blind Kahoot where you're basically asking students questions that they don't know answers to, and then providing follow-up questions and showing videos and images in those follow-up questions that help introduce new content. So you're basically teaching with this really engaging tool that, that all students seem to really love. So that's one thing that I've stumbled across recently, and it's got you know a bunch of, of nice tips of, of how to make it work. That's awesome. And I, it's good to see it taking on some new uses, too, because I think I think we were sort of wearing out <laughs> the other one. Yes. Yes. So I have a quick blog post to share. This is actually a guest post from John McGowan, and he is the GMath guy. So if you've ever heard of GMath, and he now works for TextHelp and has developed a new Chrome extension called Equatio. So if you are a math teacher teaching equations, listen up. This is awesome. Equatio is, like I said, it's a Chrome extension and it will allow you to easily create math expressions including equations and formulas and put that into a Google Doc. And it's super clean and easy to use. There is a special... Um, handwriting recognition tool so you can even like handwrite and jot things in there is a voice tool so you can dictate things into it um and you know it's just very very sophisticated they also are working on some new ways to integrate it into slides as well i think that one is coming nice. but check out the blog post um so so basically john is really just trying to reinvent the math class and you know digital tools have sort of put math teachers at a disadvantage for a while. It was a little difficult because you couldn't compose mathematically. Um, so now you can actually show your math work digitally with this new Chrome extension. So go check it out. It's free for 30 days. Oh, and I have one quick reminder. The VIP Become a Google Trainer course that I am offering online is still open. So uh, take a moment to go check that out at becomeagoogletrainer.com if you want to learn about becoming a Google Certified Trainer. So Matt, I think that wraps up episode 14, The Hidden Treasures of Google. I hope everyone has added some new golden treasures to their own digital toolbox and learned some some new little tricks here. I think this is one of my favorite episodes so far. I love talking about these tools. I know. This is so much fun. And it seems like everybody comes away with something. In fact, if you're listening to this episode and you learn something new, will you just raise your hand right where you are <laughs> in your classroom or in your car or out on a run or wherever? So in all seriousness, be careful if you're listening to us on the road. You can always get the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 14. And thanks for joining us today. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, y'all.
Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. And even if that doesn't work, at least we've got something we can work with. So. <laughs> yeah, he's got some outtakes at least. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've been a little little short on outtakes the last couple of times. It's because we're getting so good at it, right? Right. <laughs> right. Not. Okay. All right. So you're going to kick off the, uh, the featured content, the hidden treasures. Mm-hmm. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.